This podcast was recorded and produced on Wuthering Country. We acknowledge the original custodians of the land and pay respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hi guys, this is a trigger warning. This episode does contain discussions of suicide and subject around suicide. If this is a trigger to you, please take some time for yourself, look after yourself and reach out to professional help if needed. Thanks so much, guys. Alrighty, pup, how are you, mate? Good, mate, how are you? I'm very good, very good. Happy birthday for last week. Thank you. Big 20, well, I thought you were 22. Pat and I had a bit of a uh, fight over this. I thought you were 22, but turns out you're 23. Thought you knew me better than that. Yeah, That's no, fine. so did That's I. I'm a, bit, I'm a little bit disappointed in myself. Uh, what did you get up to for your birthday? Uh, look, spent it surrounded by all my best mates, a few too many... Sugar-free cruises, a few games of beer pong, um, and then a nice early night on my actual birthday. So, I got to see family, got to see friends. Um, Yeah, good food, good people, good drinks. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about cruises because, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you. Uh, I'm 27. And back when I was, you know, 16, 17, that's when cruises, you know, first came on the scene. And then when I sort of got to 21, 22, your age now... They were completely off the season and like blokes drank beer or they drank rum or they drank, you know, all that sort of stuff, but never cruises. And now all I see, I, I can't say kids your age, but blokes your age, it is just all cruises. What's going on? Well, I think people are starting to realise that just why have beer that tastes like beer when you can have <laughs> a fruit beer that fruit beer. has, if you get sugar free, has about 70 calories in it and... Tastes like berries. That's what I do like. I do like the low calorie. I mean, mm. one of my beers is 132 calories. You have a couple of them. and yeah. It's also mid-strength. <laughs> it's mid-strength because I can no longer handle my uh, full-strength beer. Mm. But uh, no, it was good. Uh, it was a good weekend. We uh, had a few cocktails. Well, you had a few cocktails. I had a very cocktail, quiet. actually. That's quite a new record low. And the video of you having a shot of absinthe on your birthday it was uh, very funny oh yes yeah that'll live with you oh, actually, i took it like a champ you did you did and uh <laughs> jack didn't jack goosens if you're listening you uh didn't take that shot very well mate mm, you got outdone by me she's <laughs> <laughs> pretty hard hey uh so our last podcast with andy went very well uh we had some great feedback so if you did uh give us a rating we had a lot of ratings and a lot of messages from that podcast thank you so much for that it was uh, it was pretty cool we felt pretty cool good after it um, I know that we sort of had a debrief afterwards, um, but how do you feel after that podcast? Oh, good. It was nice just to, um, nice to be able to have a chat with you two and sort of delve into a few, we sort of covered a bit of a broad range of topics really, but no, it was really good. And I've had a few messages from people I wouldn't have even expected to hear from that they've sat down and they've listened to you, me and Andy talk shit for 50 minutes. So yeah. no, um, it's good and means that it's getting out there and people are actually sort of interested to like hear about things to do with mental health or we covered culture and inclusion, like people are wanting to listen to it. So no, I felt very, very good afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. And today, look, we've got a, um, we've got a different style of podcast today, but, um, we uh, we probably wanted to do this for a long time and I think now is probably the best time. Um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a touchy subject and it's a subject that um, will affect people and obviously there's a trigger warning at the, uh, at the start of this episode. But, um, you know, it's it's your story with, with uh, your father and well, obviously I'll let you get into it. But, um, you know, before we obviously get into the story, it's 
it's something that's very personal to you and we want to sort of discuss it with with um you know with all due respect to obviously your family yourself all that sort of stuff um but you know as we said at the trigger warming at the start of this episode if this does get, does get a little bit too heavy for anyone while you're listening um then please tune in next next week and uh and uh you know give yourself a break take some time for yourself um but jake you know i've known you for four years now it's, it's obviously been four years since yeah. you started at the gym we worked that out the other day um and it actually took me two years to uh, actually understand what actually happened to your father. So um, I'll take the I'll, I'll give the mic microphone over to you, mate. But um, tell us your uh, tell us the story. Yeah, well, <clears throat> we'll probably should start with the reason I want to like tell this story is I feel like it has uh, I feel like it can it can help people no matter what sort of situation there is, whether they've um, they're on my side of the story or they're someone who is. Uh, you know, going down, you know, possibly the same road as my father, but it's just, it's a story. I think that it, it shows people that, you know, um, suicide isn't always the answer. Um, and it also shows that people who are the like victims of, or the people who are left behind from suicide can, you know, move on and not really, not, not let it affect their life too much or let them go down the same sort of path as, you know, has been seen around, like happening around. So, well, look, the basis of it is, is um, my father, uh, how many years ago would it be now? 2006, so, what's the math on that? 15 oh, years this year? 15, 16 yeah. years, yeah. Yeah, it'll be 15 years this year. Um, 15 years ago this year, he uh, committed suicide, so that's something that my, my mother and my three sisters have all had to deal with in our own separate ways, um, but... Yeah, that's pretty much the, the basic premise of what has happened. So, yeah, I sort of might be a good idea today for us to sit down and sort of we can talk about, go through the things that sort of led up to it. Um, and also not just keep it all negative about, you know, what he's done, but talk about how much better it is these days, um, how much better of an environment it is for people who are struggling. Um, and that things like, and sort of talk about how things are on the, like are improving and there's definitely a lot more awareness and stuff like that around. So... Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a big big topic, but absolutely. Yeah. Look, so yeah, fifteen years ago, um, you know, obviously, as you said, a lot of things have changed between um, between then and now. But take us back to then. How old you would you would have been? Uh, I was I was eight years old. Eight years old. So so eight years old. Correct. Eight years old. Eight year old kid. Um, obviously, you know, it's you know we're pretty unaware of life at eight years of age. Oh, but um, you know, take us back to then. What what were, you know you were living? Were you living in Mafra? Uh, yeah, so we were, at the time, we were living in Stratford, so 10 minutes down the road from Mafra, so small country towns. Um, mum and dad were married, obviously. Dad was business owner, mum worked, mum studied. Um, there was four of us kids and sort of everything, you know, as you said before, been pretty unaware of life at eight years old. Um, what I sort of uh, didn't neglect but sort of wasn't really aware of at the time is that... Um, like my mother and my father were having a few marriage issues, things like that. You know, looking at dad, I never would have thought he was someone who, you know, had showing signs of mental illness or anything like that. But again, eight years old, can't really tell those things. Yeah, but um, what had sort of happened over the course of, you know, two weeks to a month was you know, my parents had separated or were having some time. So mum had gone out to her parents. And for the time being, like my two youngest sisters were staying out there with her, um, with the grandparents, with mum, and then my older sister and myself were staying with dad. And 
that happened for a few weeks. You know, we still all visited, still all caught up. Um, wasn't like we weren't separated by any means or anything like that. Um, and then, yeah, look, one day my sister and I were supposed to be, I can't think of what day it was now, but we were supposed to be picked up um, by dad because we went, used to go to after school care because he used to work late on a certain day. And yeah, it sort of got, got a bit dark and got sort of past everything and stuff like that. And um, I can't remember if it was mum or someone, someone else came and picked us up and, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, oh, whatever, dad's probably working. So we, we all went out to... Um, all went out to my grandparents and it was like it was as if like a family event was happening like I was just we were all sitting down like one end of the house all us kids um I think only my older sister sort of knew what was going on she would have been about 10 so she had a bit more bit more understanding about what was going on and just like family friends kept rocking up and like you know the closest circle of people we had around us all rocked up and yeah that was when it was sort of sort of dropped on us that like that's what happened and I don't think at the time, I can't really remember, but I don't think at the time we were told that it was suicide, like on the night of, obviously, but we did find out in the sort of once the dust sort of settled in the past few days after that. But yeah, it's a, it's a big thing to sort of have dropped on you at uh, eight years old. And I can only imagine how my sister, like my older sister felt as she would have understood it a lot more than I would have at the time. But um, looking back, I don't think I, I don't really think I cried. Like I just didn't understand it. Just yeah. didn't know. You know, it took weeks to sort of process. I just sort of, I'd almost think I like buried it a little bit. I was just like, oh, well, yeah, goes on, goes on. But that was all sort of, you know, all sort of made a bit harder with um, my father's family because of obviously, you know, a few marriage problems and things like that. They 100% put the blame on mum and literally within, you know, it would have been within 24 hours of, you know, the news happening they were, you know, they were out at the property and trying to bloody have a go at mum and all that sort of stuff. And again, like, I knew what was going on, but I was just so unaware of how serious and how, like, disgusting that behaviour is. Like, they've lost, you know, they've lost their son, they've lost, you know, brother. That's someone to them that they've lost. But to then, I mean, we all grieve in different ways, but to then come out in front of the family and... um put the blame for suicide on someone else like that is yeah. the more like every time I think back to it like that's the whole reason why I live in Ballarat is because we couldn't you know it's a town of 4,000 people you can't you can't look over your shoulder every time you go to the supermarket or there's been instances where sort of you know mum you know we'd have to cut the shopping short or we'd have to take a different road home because she was quite scared and quite paranoid about running into the family so yeah but oh, yeah, just to look back and think about sort of like, obviously they were completely heartbroken, but I can only only imagine how hard that was for mum to have four kids, which she's now got to look after by herself and to have that as well happening. Just, yeah, yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, massive. And I mean, it's obviously such a, it's, I mean, any, any sort of death is such an, an emotional experience for every single person involved, but yeah. I think a death that is un- as unexpected and as um, you know emotional as suicide is you know it's it's a completely different factor. You know we have accidents and we have um, you know things that happen and obviously they're they're hugely emotional. They're um, a big shock to the family and stuff like that. But you know there's there's normally a bit of an answer of, of what happened. You know if there's a car accident we know what's happened. If there's yeah. um, an accident at work we know what happened. But when it's suicide, most of the time 
we ha- we don't know. You know, we don't have those answers. We don't know Absolutely. what's going on. We and don't know what's going wrong. Yeah, and your mind your mind wanders. Like obviously, um, it's a hard thing to sort of grieve because you know a lot of people like, and that's probably a, it's why there is such a stigma about talking about mental health and suicide is because it is just always spoken about. Or it used to always be spoken about as selfish. Like so, I, I can just remember like going through school and stuff like that. That was always. It's not, not like we were taught it, but it was always just what you heard is suicide's the most selfish thing you could do, yeah, like, and all that sort of thing. So when you're grieving, you don't know whether to be grieving the loss of the person or you're, you're angry that they're gone and angry that, like, because of how it affects you, not sort of, you don't sort of take into account when you're grieving this person, why they've done what they've done. Like, as you said before, like with a car accident, you can't help that. Like, mm. that's someone's life has ended because of an accident, so unexpected, but when you're trying to grieve someone who had the intention of doing it, it's, yeah, it's such an uncertain thing. And I feel like a lot of people who do grieve these things struggle with it because they don't know which way, which way to go. They're just in such an uncertain sort of thing. Like, personally, I, I don't think I ever went through, like, the anger sort of phase of it. Like, I just, I was too young to understand it. But now with everything that, like, now that there's a lot more awareness about it, a lot more education about it, like you've just got to take into account that, you know, mental illness is a thing like for something to, for someone to want to end their life with, you know, they've got a very successful business. They've got nice house, um, well, happy family, four kids, like in a marriage and stuff like that. For someone to sort of step away from that and end their life, you have to like, that's when you realise that, well, mental illness is a thing. Like it's not just having a bad day or I'm bloody, one thing has gone wrong in my life. So that's it it's something it's a disease yeah. so yeah yeah absolutely and it's you know that's uh, another what you just said you know he's got all this and the successful business the family um and all that sort of stuff and that it does sort of you know make aware of any sort of situation and obviously you know mm. all your family was completely unaware of what was going on in your dad's life and um you know you, you said how your, your dad's family put a lot of blame on your on your mother and you know your mum probably at some point probably sort of, you know, started to question herself a little bit and say, well, you know, what did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong? Um, You know, I think a lot of people when they're in that situation and, you know, someone in their life does take their own life, they're thinking, could I have done more? Could I have done something? And the simple answer is sometimes you just can't. You know, sometimes it's it's absolutely nobody's fault. Um, You know, most most of the time it's absolutely nobody's fault and it is, it's, it's mental health. It's someone that's going through some times that you know gets to that point so it's um it's good that you 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 brought that up that there was you know a little bit of blaming and this and that because it goes to show that you know when people going through this and going through this uh you know grieving stage that you know someone may blame other people and blame other situations um and blame themselves when really they don't you know we we have no idea what to what to do because we have no you know we have no answers so yeah obviously you're eight years old um Tell me about the, the years coming up from, you know, obviously you're the only boy, you yeah. know, you're, you're the only boy in the family. So um, you've got three sisters. Um, obviously there's, uh, there's no dad there. What, what sort of pressure? Did you have any pressure on there to, you know, did you feel like you had any pressure, um, especially in, in those teenage years to sort of step up or Sort of, like I suppose it's, it was like always the number one thing I was sort of told by like family and family and friends and stuff like that, that, Obviously, like, they don't really know what else to say to a grieving eight-year-old boy, but always being told that I was now going to be, like, the man of the house and stuff like that. 
Like, it's a lot of pressure to put on an eight-year-old. Like, it's a fucking... That's a big thing to say to someone. But at the end of the day, like, mum... Like, I owe everything to mum. Mum and my older sister. Like, I always think about how much my older sister stepped up. Like, she was 10. Like, she'd been nine or 10. And she would have... Like, I mean, we've all grown up quick, but she would have... Like, she was like a teenager at 10 years old. So yeah. she was all of a sudden... Because, like, mum... Mum's still going to work when she went back to work. So, like, Caitlin... Um, like just had, like did a lot of the stuff around the house. Like obviously, like we all chipped in, but like she sort of just took up. Like she was, she was the older sister. She yeah. sort of and like I did what I could where I could. But like it's, yeah, it's a lot, a lot. It's a big change, but sort of. I don't really remember too much of like I don't know if I blanked it out. It's probably in there somewhere, but I don't really remember too much from like after it happened. So we like we moved house uh, a couple times and stayed within sort of like the Gippsland area in Mafra. Um, and then I, I can't think of the timeline. Might have, we might have stayed for another six months and then mum had sort of decided like, well, not decided, she, she sat each of us down and sort of said like, like two different things. Um, a, do you want, like, what are your thoughts on moving like four hours away, which is where we are now here in Ballarat? And two, like, do you want to keep your, like, keep your father's last name or go back to mum's maiden name? And the reason why she asked us that and she had, um, the reason she asked us, like, it wasn't like she forced us to change her name. It's just because of all the stuff that had gone on with dad's family. Like, mum just couldn't, she couldn't keep the same last name because there was, like, restraining orders, all that sort of stuff. Like, she had to, like, imagine that. Three weeks after your husband commits suicide, you have to go and stand in front of court and get a restraining order against his family yeah. because they're violent or, yeah. like, they're just... Yeah, so that, they were the questions she asked us and all of us opted for... No, we'll, we'll go from, like, my last name was Lawless, uh, Lawless, so now, it, and then we all opted to go to Thompson, and we all just said, like, well, you know, we have friends down there, but I'm going to make new friends sort of thing, like, well, to be honest, I don't think, I had, like, I had, I had to move, I moved to primary schools, um, didn't really make any new friends at the new primary school, so I was pretty happy to move further away, but, like, I'm still in, still got friends down there that, um, like, still sort of connect with every once in a while, but... No, we, we moved up here and that's sort of where, like, I'd say that the, the new life sort of began. So new schools, um, new house, all that sort of stuff. So, but, and that's, that's exactly what I sort of owe all the credit to mum for is, you know, we could have stayed in a, you know, don't want to, don't want to offend any Mafra listeners if there's any, but like <laughs> a, a shitty little 4,000 people town. And I look at a lot of the people I went to school with and like the opportunities that, my mother has given me by moving me to a town that's gone from 4,000, like from a 4,000 people town to 100,000 people in Ballarat. Like the opportunities that us kids have had are endless. Like yeah. um, that was, that was a very big thing sort of like growing up is as soon as I sort of started high school here, I was like, well, this isn't like, this is a lot better than where I was yeah. sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. I don't know if I ever like sort of felt like the man of the house, you know, I probably just kept being told that I was, but no, mum was, you know, mum's been the mum and the dad. You know, we do something for Father's Day as well as Mother's Day sort of thing. Like, mum for both of them. So, no, nah, I owe a lot of that to mum. Like, yeah. a lot of it, so. Yeah. yeah. And Kyle is great. I've met Kyle a few times and she's uh, she's an absolute superstar. Um, bad football team she barracks for. That's the only <laughs> thing I'll give her. Kyle, if you're listening. Um, but, look, so, you know, obviously 15 years, 15, 16 years on um, and, you know, uh, what, what I said at the at the start of um, at the start of this little 
talk here where I said it took me two years to sort of actually understand what happened to your father. The reason I wanted to say that, and I've brought this up to you before, um, is because, you know, you're working at the gym for two years and I had no idea about yep. your father. And I actually gave that, that's a massive credit that I gave you when I found out about it. And I actually don't think I found out through you. I'm, I'm not even too sure how I found out. Mm. Um, but... I was really, really taken back when I did find out because it had been two years and, you know, we'd become really, really close. You know, we're, we're great mates. Not only do we work together, but we're good mates. Um, you know, we went to Sydney together. We won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> but we, we, did a lot of, we did a lot of things together. And it, just, it, it was just never something that you brought up. It was never something you talked about. Um, I knew that uh, y- your father wasn't there. Um, I didn't want to obviously pry and say what's yeah. going on, what happened. Um, and... You know, when I, when I found out that it was suicide, I thought it's such a brave thing that you've done for the last two years to not let this na- uh, sort of navigate the way that you live your life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when we first started, we, we were having these discussions around mental health. Obviously, the Shaka Project wasn't established yet, um, but we did a lot of stuff through mental health, through the gyms. Um, and again, it never came up. You know, we did Arms and Armour, it never came up. We, we did... Uh, different things around Ballarat, it never came up. Um, and I thought that was just a, a show of strength not to make this your identity going forward um, because a lot of people do. And, you know, if people want to do that to create their own identity, then they can do that. But it's something that you've chosen not to, chosen not to do and I think that's pretty incredible because you can have these conversations and, you know, even the podcast that we did last week, you know, we had a lot of positive feedback from it and 99% of the people listening to that podcast would probably have no idea about your past, yeah. Um, you know, and they would have got something from it. And now <laughs> listening to this, they would have, you know, they they now understand yeah. where you've come from. Um, but for you to be able to sort of spread the word, talk about mental health, you know, you do a lot of work at the Shaka with the gyms, all that sort of stuff, um, without bringing that emotion into it. And, you know, I know I know a lot of the work that I do with um, my podcast is from my own personal story, and that's a lot of you know motivation for myself, but. You know, there's times where you're doing work where you don't really have that motivation in there, or you do obviously have the motivation there, but you don't, um, you know, you don't use that motivation as the reason. You want to do yeah. it because you want to help people. Absolutely, yeah, and that's sort of why I want to try and speak about it a bit more as well, is because if there's one one person out there, as I said, like whether they've become like a victim of it, or there's someone who's been left behind from it, or there's someone who similar age to who like what dad was like in the 30s sort of thing and th- you know that's something that's sort of sitting at the back of their mind um to be able to get the message out there and just you know be able to tell everyone that it's not um it's not always it's not going to be the greatest answer for them sort of thing like i can't always use my life as an example like how my life sort of panned out from what happened is we've just my family themselves have just we've made the made the most of a really shit situation so as i said before we could have just stayed in a little small town and been the been the thompson family that bloody dad committed suicide or we can you know yes we left behind a lot of family in that town and we still get down there and visit them but we've now just gone out and forged our own sort of path somewhere else so um but sort of circling back to you know as i was saying as i said before i want to talk about how it's not how like these days it's a lot better is like I think back to some of my like dad's mates and stuff like that and I think every Friday he had a like a sort of punters club I'm pretty sure it was with his brother and with just some 
like another fella in town and they used to, you know, go and have, you know, Friday knockoff beers and, you know, put money on horses and all that sort of stuff. And like, that's great. You know, hanging out with his mates was great, but I can almost guarantee that they had absolutely no idea what was going on. Like yeah. they probably didn't even know that, you know, that separated or they didn't know that he was struggling or anything like that. Um, and that's why like these days with everything, you're, you know, pushing through the shacker and stuff like that is, like yeah, catch up, catching up with your mates is great, but you know, asking them if they're okay or if you're among mates, feeling comfortable to share how you're feeling with them, because it, like I believe it would have made a huge difference. Like that yeah. was what 2006. There wasn't anything like what there is these days. There's so many different like foundations and different movements and things like that. That it's like, I feel like the the world or the state or Australia or whatever is in a very good position to sort of start turning around these stats, yeah. but. Yeah, the uh, the help is out there. It's just sort of just making sure that everyone's aware about it, and yeah. um, as many different people sort of know that it's all right to speak up and you know to be there for the people that need the help, as opposed to just oh you know it'll be all right or I'm sure things will turn around. That old sort of that old chestnut. So chestnut, <laughs> yeah, and I mean you probably you are right. Like 2006, long time ago. Um, you know, this conversation hadn't really started back then. And, you know, if your dad was at the punters club and probably opened up, you know, this isn't any um, disrespect to his mates or his brother or anything like that, but they probably would have said, oh, we'll just oh, get the fuck over it. No, you know? knowing and sort of remembering back, like the memories I've got of his brother or my uncle. Um, yeah, absolutely. Not, yeah. The, not the sort of person that you could just sit there and talk about your feelings to sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah it's just a whole new world now but there's still still a lot to be done absolutely yeah and i think it is you know whether it be um oh i forgot this word last week and i've forgotten it again what's the word <laughs> we, we went through this last week we need andy here andy ignorant. got the word ignorant ignorant, ignorant. <laughs> i'm gonna write i'm gonna get that tattooed on my hand uh whether it's ignorance towards you know mental health which is obviously um something when i figure, when i can remember the word where we talk about a lot with the shaka when people are trying to ignite the conversation or are scared about talking about mental health. When we go back to older generations, you know, I was, I was talking to a guy from a, a workplace um, and we approached them and say, you know, you have over 150 male workers at your facility. Uh, we want to come and have a, have a discussion about mental health. And he was about 65 and he said, there's no fucking point, don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. You know, not a chance. Yeah. You know, see you later. We weren't charging him. It wasn't going to cost him anything. We just wanted to go talk about yeah. mental health. Um, 150 blokes, perfect place to do it. And he just had absolutely no interest. And, you know, I could have reacted and said, well, you're an absolute, you know, dickhead for, for not caring about your workers. But at the same time, the ignorance of, you know, he is from a time where yeah. that wasn't discussed. Well, as, as Andy said sort of last time, and it sort of stuck with me, is ignorance is learned. Mm. Like, you can't, as you just said then, you can't... can't say to him like oh you know you're an idiot for not believing in this sort of thing it's from his time period it's what was taught to him and it's what was taught to the people above him and things like that so um but i mean that's why we do what we do isn't it try and yeah. educate and turn it around yeah it's always absolutely. always more to be learned can teach an old dog new tricks so yeah that's that's a, that's a good one <laughs> might, might use that. and uh, yeah look and it is all about if we can sort of get one, you know, 40 to 60-year-old on board with this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
you know, obviously 15 years ago, so uh, your old man probably would have been in that age range now. Yeah. Um, you know, that if we can get one guy thinking about that and breaking the ice where we, you know, he goes to his workplace and talks to his other mates that are around the same age. And I think, yeah. you know, we had an electrician in here a few weeks ago that was um, probably around that age, age range and he was asking what it, what it was all about and um, he opened right up. He loved and, it. You know, yeah, he, he thought it was a great idea. He felt so. comfortable and he thought it was a really, really good idea. Yeah. And that's someone who, like, hopefully, you know, he mentions to the other blokes at work that he, this is where he stopped off and these are the sort of things that we, like, we do here and ignited another conversation there and then it yeah. just spreads like wildfire hopefully so yeah yeah absolutely so you know as, as you said before you know ignorance with with different ages um you know 15 years ago long time ago um and then obviously if we can look you know five ten years in, fu- in the future as we sort of discussed a little bit last week if we can get to that point where uh this is as normal as talking about a broken arm or yeah. you know a, a torn hamstring which i've done a few times <laughs> um or, you know, just, just things that we can just generally chit-chat. And I think, you know, especially in uh, your life and my life now, I think it's something that we talk about more than we talk about anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I had a discussion with, uh, you know, three or four people in our little circle just last week about, you know, their own mental health. And yeah. it was just about, you know, it was it was almost as comfortable as saying, hey, mate, you know, want to catch up for a beer except for that it was hey mate how you doing and yeah you know i had a few people open up had a few people say they weren't doing okay all that sort of stuff too and it's sort of like coming back the other way as well instead of having to message everyone and just like you know say like you know you know how you doing how have you been going sorry if i haven't messaged you soon like it's really refreshing as good as like as bad as it is that you know some people are struggling i've had so many mates in the past two weeks just send me a message and just say like hey i need a hand or like and the fact that they can feel comfortable enough and do that to me or because i know that you you know you get a few of them as well like um yeah it just shows that you know it's starting to it's turning around a bit now and things like that so yeah it's hopefully now well i'm among our circle it's definitely more prominent yeah a lot more yeah prominent. absolutely and it's a pretty good circle to be a part of yeah um absolutely. and hopefully we can we can sort of still spreading that out and and keep going so you know 15 years on mate what what sort of I mean obviously you're in the your gyms now and, and PT and, and all that sort of stuff, um, but this is obviously always going to be part of your life. Yeah. Uh, does it have an effect on you from day to day, or you know does it come through your mind every now and then when you're struggling? Does it come, um, it, you know, do you think about your dad and, and all that sort of, sort of look, stuff? Look, it it changes like day to day. Like you know, it took me a while to realise that like it's okay to not feel guilty about you know maybe i haven't thought about it maybe it's been a week and i just haven't like it hasn't crossed my mind and back to like back when i was probably you know more so 12 13 14 or even earlier than that maybe i just i thought that was the worst thing in the world i was just like how could i have forgotten him or anything like that so like back then it used to affect me quite bad because i was always just like oh shit if i haven't like i'm not grieving him today i don't know it just it thought that in my like in my thought process i thought that was what i had to be doing because i'd lost someone i had to be constantly thinking about him and these days like yeah, it comes in waves like i might be fine um or i am fine great most of the time and then it can be something so simple as like uh god like a song lyric there's yeah. i can't i can't tell you the amount of times i've been driving or like on a longer drive and listening to music and just a single line in a song just resonates with me that hard and it can get like just just get me feeling straight away and i think you'd remember back that um back to andy's arms and armor program that yeah. night 
um, you know, we were just there as sort of like a bit of a support for the people that were a part of the program and everyone was going around the circle sort of sharing, what was the, que- what was the question? It was something about um, who we, who in our life inspires us or something like that. Sure, yeah. And I was like, oh, I was fine leading to that. I was in a great headspace. And that, that single question there, I remember I couldn't get out more than like five words because yeah. I was trying to talk about the fact that my mum's my inspiration and then I couldn't even get like into the story. I just yeah. couldn't, like words just wouldn't come out. So day, it just changes day to day. But that night was like a big turnaround for me as well because it, like I didn't realise how sort of uncomfortable I was to speak about it out loud. And since then, like I've just improved. Like yeah. I can just, now I can openly talk about it and without it, you know, affecting me too much or anything like that. And yeah, it made me realise that the more that I can get it out there, the more it's going to help me and hopefully it helps someone else as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And what about your sisters? I mean, I've, I think I've met two of your sisters. Um, yes. How, how do they sort of go? So obviously, um, you know, any any sort of life, you know, with, you know, going through your teenage years and all that sort of stuff um, is pretty tough without a dad in the picture. Yeah. Um, you know, from, from your view, how, how have they sort of... I mean, I know they've grown up great and you obviously know they've grown up great, but, yeah. um, you know, how have they sort of gone? Look, they've done, they've done quite well, like, all things considered. Like, I think... And I'm, they, I know they won't really mind me talking about it because, um, yeah, they won't mind too much about me sort of delving into a little bit. But my two younger sisters have both, both struggled quite heavily with mental health. And looking back, like... It's, it, effect, it, it affected us all differently. Like I went through grief counselling and things like that because I was, when we moved to Ballarat, I was an, like, I was an angry little boy. Like I was just, so maybe I did that anger that I said I didn't feel. Maybe I expressed it in a different way, but I was a shit. Like I was just yeah. a, but mum put me through grief counselling and that really, as much as I didn't like going to it, because I can't draw and I had to draw a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I cannot draw. Um, that helped me a lot. But my two younger sisters, it just affected them differently. So I think Grace is like one or two years younger than me. And then my other sister, Lily, is a few years, like one or two years younger than Grace. Um, they both struggled quite a bit with it. And I think where it stemmed from with my younger sister is she was born in what, 2003. So she only had a, you know, she, she barely remembers that. She yeah. had three and a bit years or four years of him um, in her life. And I think that's like that's really sort of affected her in a way because she's just always been so unsure about whether she's allowed to feel the same level of loss that we feel. Um, yeah. So they've done, you know, they, you know, there's no shame in talking about it. They take antidepressants. They, um, you know, they've both attended like counselling, um, and that's helped them a lot and they're both they're both doing great like um youngest one's just finished school she got through school like school wasn't a very easy time for her but she's just finished that and she'll be i believe she's gonna be working full-time this year um and then grace is now like working her dream job at a vets so she loves animals so she's just recently started working full-time there and then my older sister she is like her and i've never really spoken about it too much but she's now sort of like she's doing great she's now a um, I believe God I feel so bad I don't even know the proper role <laughs> no because uh, she, she studied counselling and psychology so she works at she works up in Maryborough at the school there so she's um, like her fiance is he's a teacher there and she's like the school sort of counsellor guidance counsellor sort of thing so and obviously sort of everything 
she's been through has led her to be like that's the field that she wants to work in so like all in all they've all done they've all done really well to sort of be where they are now so yeah and i'm sure it hasn't been like without struggle like there has been a lot of struggle but we've all sort of come out the other side of it quite well and the like and the one sort of core root of all that is like mum like yeah. we weren't we're not a wealthy family. We don't have like a massive, beautiful house or anything like that. But mum has always made sure that we had everything that we needed, everything like everything that she could give us that we wanted. Um, and always just sort of pushed us to do like, do, do the best that we can. Like, as I said before, Lily struggled in Lily, like school just wasn't a good spot for her, but through really, really, really good sort of guidance counselors at the school, like who had a, have a very close relationship with mum and then mum as well. Like she's persevered. She's finished her year 12 she's done doesn't have to worry about school now she can worry about what she actually wants to do so yeah it's yeah it's a lot but <laughs> she's um no nah, they're all doing very 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 well they're good it's so good to hear and i mean um yeah especially with your sister doing this you know um sort of this psycho psychology sort of role in schools now that's that's massive you could almost sort of look at that as a bit of a um a flow and effect obviously she was the oldest one at the at the yeah. stage um so to be able to get into that role and to to be doing you know something whether it be in the mental health sector or, or different sectors yeah. like that is is um is pretty amazing yeah, so like cause she could be working with kids that you know something like this might have gone on in their family like they might have one parent they might have no parent they might not have a very good home to go to like go home to but she's now in a position where she can assist these kids and sort of yeah help them get out of a hole that she might you know, she might have felt that she was in once sort yeah. of thing. So, yeah, sort of everything comes full circle, I suppose, in the end. Yeah. Did you find it made you and your sisters a lot closer? I'd say so, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say we're, we're a fairly close family. Like, we all lived under the same roof for many years. And even then, like, like we've, also, we've always had each other's backs. I suppose, like, my oldest, like, Caitlin and I have been sort of closer because we were the first two born. And then the, the second two born have always been, like, people used to mistake them for twins. Like, yeah, they're right. just... I actually thought so, they were twins too. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. No, no, no. So they're um like they're sep- they're inseparable pretty much. So no, it's good. And even now, like, and I know I've been trying to make more of an effort for it. Is we have been like all trying to like catch up and having like a family lunch like once a week or once a fortnight at the very least. So no, we're a very 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 close knit family at the moment. Like what well, we always have, we always have been. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think, like, um, I mean, obviously my story is a lot different, but, you know, my parents separated at a very young age. Um, Obviously, Dad is still there, but I think my brother and I, when Dad left, we became, you know, again, inseparable and very, very close. Um, It's obviously a very different situation, but we had that, um, you know, that not being able to see Dad or seeing Dad every, you know, six or eight months and and stuff like that. So it was this emotional, you know, trauma that we went through from seeing Dad every single day. Yep. to see him once a year or twice a year or three times a year. Um, but it does bring you closer. And as you said before, you know, you grow up pretty quick. You do. <laughs> like you, 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 do. You, be, you go from like, a 10-year-old to a, to a 15-year-old pretty yeah. quick. I think, and I think that's half the reason why, oh, especially even like even now and even when I was like 20 and 21, like even pretty much all of our gym members think I'm 25 or they 26. Do, yeah. Like yeah. I hate telling people my age because I'm just just a baby still. Um, <laughs> I'm 23 now, so I'm pretty much half an adult. But um, no, but you just being being forced to grow up too fast is definitely it's cruel. But it's like I wouldn't I can't say it's for the better because everyone's situation's differently. But it's def- it served my family 
quite well. Like we've all made the made the most of what we could out of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And going forward, mate. Like obviously, um, you know, we're going to do a, a absolute shitload of work with the chakra and all that sort of stuff. But um, if you were going forward and you want, if you could sort of talk to whether it be someone that's eight years old that's that's gone through this, or ten, or or even twenty three years of old, or thirty years of age, um, what would you sort of tell them? coming from your experience mine would just be to talk about it more like i didn't like as i said before i don't think i cried for a long time i sort of just i think i put it in the back of my mind like i can just remember back to like just hazily remember back to sort of like the time when that grieving period and the few days afterwards when no one sort of knows what's going on or you got family coming around and visiting and bringing flowers and you know, the whole sorry for your loss sort of thing is I just sort of shut myself off from it. Like I was just sort of separated myself from a bit. I just go and do sort of like my own thing. But like looking back, I sort of wish I had have stayed in the moment a little bit more and had of like spent more time with family and like talk to them about it and not being afraid to just sort of like to sort of feel it. Cause yeah. I just, I don't think I felt it for a very long time. Like I just, suppressed it and you know maybe maybe it still comes back up who knows but um yeah so to someone if they've recently sort of gone into this sort of situation or they've already been through it would just be yeah to just find find people that you can talk to about it that understand it well no i suppose no one truly understands it but just find people that you can talk to about it um and then also like as i said before i think the professional help like the grief the grief counseling help more than i give it credit for like that professional sort of help even though you might go into it not liking it or not sort of believing in it like they're the best equipped people to help you through something like that something that you have no idea how to navigate so yeah those are probably my best two like bits of advice for it yeah great just get some guidance and yeah and again talk Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing i think that's uh, we can have five hours of podcasting and 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 do you know complete podcast series but i think it all comes back to talking yeah. you know whether it be about mental health or talking about your grief or talking about your feelings or um you know just talking to a mate you know i think the worst thing sometimes people can go through is just not having actually i was talking to a friend last night that um you know she's going through a little bit of stuff and she said the worst thing that i'm going through at the moment is that i've just got nobody to talk to i just yeah. there's just no one that i can just say hey you know, I've had a really good day today or guess what happened at work today. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having that someone that you can just talk to about whether it be work or whether it be your mental health or, or, or you know, talking about the footy, stuff like that, um, is super important. And if you can just find, again, if it, whether it be your best mate, um, someone at work, professional, a colleague, whatever it is, just to talk, just to have that yeah. social interaction um, and ignite any sort of conversation that, can either help you or help them and just keep the discussion going yeah um that's super powerful oh absolutely yeah absolutely i think talking is just underrated <laughs> it's extremely <laughs> so underrated extremely underrated no absolutely well mate thank you so much for telling us the story no that's all right it's um it's a pretty powerful story and hopefully people can uh, get a bit of an idea yeah. and i think if you if you haven't listened to the uh episode that we did last week with andy go back and listen to that one um and uh, that was a really good discussion. It was, it was really good. So uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you, Jake. All good. Thanks for having me on again and listen to me drone on for 43 minutes. But no, I just hope at least uh, if one person gets something out of this, and that's all that matters. Absolutely. Thank you, mate.